Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So hi, everyone. It's Lori, and I'm here with Guy, as usual. But today we're here with a third person, and that is Ben Bernstein. Ben is training to be a therapist, and he is the person who first talks to our guests before Guy and I have any inkling of what we're in for. So Ben is the person who interviews the people who write into us and helps us to see who might be right for an episode. And we wanted to talk with Ben because when we do our sessions, sometimes we look back on them and we say that went really well. We really got through to this person. And then there are times when maybe we didn't get through in the way that we wanted to. And we thought it would be interesting for everybody to hear a little bit about our process and what we're thinking at certain moments in some of the episodes that you've heard this season. So today we're going to look at an episode where we didn't quite get through in the way we wanted to, and we're going to unpack that a little bit with Ben. And we're going to start with a recent episode, and our guests were Becca and Jake. So Ben, tell us about your conversations with them before the episode was taped. Thanks for having me on. I love this episode. In this episode, just to sort of frame it for for listeners, we hear from Becca, who is a woman who loves her partner, Jake, but she worries about his anger towards their young children, Isabella and Dean. And she's considering whether she should leave Jake to protect the kids. When I first spoke with them, I wasn't sure where a potential episode would go. I thought it could go in, in one of two directions. Either it could focus on Jake's anger towards his kids, or maybe additionally, it could focus on Becca and Jake's relationship with each other. And in a way, I was curious to see where you guys would take it and how you would navigate what were two, in some ways, separate relationships, and in some ways, connected relationships. So here's a clip of what you both said before the session started. Well, it's interesting because Becca says that there's no abuse, but lashing out at children verbally is a form of emotional abuse, or certainly can be when it's harsh and it goes on over time. So I'm really glad that Jake is actually joining us today, because it sounds like something we really need to talk to both parents about, to get an understanding of what's going on and why and what can change there. Yeah, exactly. Emotional violence is abuse and it has long lasting effects and it can be very traumatic, especially when it's ongoing. And when it's ongoing, we call that complex trauma because it's not one event, it's multiple events happening all the time. And it sounds like Jake realizes that something needs to change, but he's having trouble 
doing the changing. And that's why I think it's important that we're having both of them on. One of my first questions for you is whether the problem of a father yelling at his kids brings anything up for you both, or whether there are any things on your mind as you were starting this session that maybe influenced the direction you decided to ultimately take? Well, I think for me as a parent, whenever I hear something like that, I always have a visceral reaction to it. And I think one of the challenges we all have as therapists is if there is something that touches us personally in our lives that we're going to have to be really careful about separating out our own feelings about it in order to get into the world of the other person and really have compassion for that person and be able to hold that person both in terms of holding them accountable, but also holding whatever pain is causing them to behave in this way. And for me as well, whenever I have a case in which they're young children who are being impacted negatively, there's a huge urgency that I feel to get a result quickly, to do something, because every day that passes in which that situation continues is more and more damage for those kids. And so, yeah, I felt a certain urgency and hope that we could actually have an impact that would make a difference, not just for Becca, but especially for their kids, so that their kids would be in a better place. And I should say, too, as our listeners know, we don't talk about the cases beforehand. So what you heard was in the episode being taped at the moment right before they came on, but we don't have any conversations before the tape is running. So when we hear the letter, we're both just formulating our ideas out loud along with the listeners so that they can hear how we're thinking about it before we actually bring the guests on, but it happens immediately. There's no time to process it. Then I want to get back to that question of what your impressions were when you spoke to each of them. What were your impressions of each of them? And given those impressions, where did you think the session should go? So I was really struck by how different they were from each other. This couple, Becca, was talking even in our short conversation initially about the feelings of her child and wanting to sort of give her a feelings vocabulary. And Jake, while present and seemingly trying to you know, participate, I think just didn't have that same kind of focus when it came to parenting, even though it came across to me that he, he loved his kids very much. I was also concerned about Jake shutting down because even in the pre-screen, there was maybe some moments where it seemed like his level of insight about why he was doing certain things or saying certain things might be limited. But I also hoped that in the session that could be loosened or the two of you would be able to find a way to, to open him up in a way. And I think that in certain ways you, you really did. And in other ways, I think he remained pretty defended, meaning I think he found it hard to talk about his feelings at a certain level. With all that said, I'm curious, as you started into the session, the first questions that you asked were to Jake, and I'm just going to play that brief clip so you can hear it as well. Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience of early in the relationship and then the first pregnancy and first experience of being a parent? What made you guys decide to start with Jake and ask about the pregnancy and, and the beginning of the relationship as sort of a pivot point for leading off the session? Well, I think, first of all, the letter was written by Becca. And, you know, we've done a lot of couples this season. And I think it's always interesting to see who's writing and then to be able to hear something from the other person, because we've already heard something from the person who wrote the letter. And the other part was that question was very intentional. 
when somebody is acting in a certain way toward their children, we're going to want to know about what childhood was like for them. But we also want to know the origin story of these children coming into this person's life. And as we heard with Jake, the first pregnancy was not expected. He was not ready for it. And in fact, he felt so much loss around the life that he had when this pregnancy came to be. So that was a really important factor. What happened during the session was it it was hard for him to connect some of those feelings with the ways in which he felt trapped. And then he would act out and he would get dysregulated in front of his kids. There's a similarity between somebody writing a letter for a couple's session and somebody contacting us via phone or email for a couple's session. Because in each of those cases, what we're going to do when we see the couple is we're going to start with the person who didn't create that contact. Because now we've already had contact with one member of the couple. We want the other member of the couple to feel comfortable. So we'll typically begin with the other member of the couple. And how someone reacts to the news of pregnancy can be very indicative about their feelings, their positions that they will then carry forward throughout the pregnancy and even into the early years of the child. So it was important to get a sense of the raw moment for him. Yeah, it seemed to really be a great way for him to get in touch with the fear that he had and the grief that he eventually got to about losing sort of the single life and the being able to go out on the weekends with his friends. Right. And in this case, it was also helpful because it was clear that now we're four years in And he still has a lot of those feelings. A lot of times somebody will say, well, I, at the time I felt, oh, I'm not ready for this, but by now I couldn't imagine life without the kids. And, and it's clear that they've processed things, that they've moved forward in that journey. It was also clear that Jake hadn't done that much. And so that he really was stuck a little bit back in the, wow, I've lost so much here. And not that he doesn't love his kids, he does, but he hasn't processed that loss much at all. And that was clear from his response as well. I feel like one of the key understandings that you guys got to pretty early on with Jake was that the outbursts and his kids were related to pent up feelings. I'm going to play a clip now. It's a philosophy that you have that one shouldn't share. It's better for you to not let her know how you're feeling about things. I mean, certain things, if it's, you know, a big enough issue, yes, I would share. But if it's something that's going to blow over or it's it's only a small thing, then uh, I'll just deal with it. So the question is whether it indeed blows over or whether over time these feelings accumulate and then they come out in other ways. Yeah, there's definitely times where I blow up <laughs> and it comes out in, in anger for sure. So how quickly did you guys pinpoint that pent up emotion, that pent up feeling at the source of Jake's outbursts? And I guess more importantly than that even is once you feel like you see a link like that, how do you decide when and how to share it? Well, that's something that we probably see very, very quickly. But we're not going to really bring it up until we've accumulated at least a couple of pieces of evidence, because it's not about whether this makes sense to us. It's about whether it makes sense to the other person. So unless we can tie it into their behavior, their experience as they've described it, it might not resonate with them as much. So we sometimes have to gather a bit more information. And then when we feel we have enough data points to show them a pattern, then we can show them a pattern. But we'll usually start looking for those data points early on because we can then illustrate the pattern to the person. 
I think that's such a great question because in the therapy room, when we have more time, I always think about it as timing and dosage. So it's, are you going to say it at the right moment and how much of it are you going to deliver in one moment or one session? And I think that the difficulty that we ran into with Jake was just how compartmentalized he was in terms of holding the fact that, yes, I know that this is having a detrimental effect on my children. And then there were moments in the session when he would even say, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And so as a listener, you might think, wow, I really don't like this guy or he lacks empathy or think all kinds of uncharitable things about him. But I think that that's the power of that compartmentalization. And when we did go back to explore where that came from with his childhood, there were some connections there. There was some stuff with his dad, but he wasn't really able to get into it. He'd say two different things about the relationship with his dad. No, there wasn't yelling. Yes, there was yelling. No, there wasn't this. Yes, there was this. No, we got along. No, we kind of didn't get along. It was challenging because we didn't really have a relationship with him yet. And I think when I look back on that session, what I wish that we had focused more on was Becca because she was more accessible to us. And because she was more accessible, we didn't really push her. We were pushing Jake so hard because we felt that urgency, like Guy said, when there are kids involved, there's that urgency. And he was the one who was doing the yelling. And I think to speak just for me, I feel like my error was not really saying, okay, I'm not really getting where I want to get with Jake. I'll, I'll seem to get there a little bit. And then there's that window and the, the window is slammed shut. So with Becca, the question was, are we holding her accountable? So she's colluding in this too. These are her kids too. And she has agreed to stay in this situation, even though she might make noises about leaving. She really didn't seem ready to take action. She didn't really seem ready to protect her kids. She would talk about it almost like as a threat to Jake to get him to change. So we didn't really explore with Becca what she was willing to do in terms of making changes and what her role was in this marriage as well. For me, I made a point with Jake about the fact that he has all these feelings bubbling up and his go-to strategy for managing his anger is just to focus on being a stronger cork, to keep the cork in the bottle. And the problem I think we ran into with him is that he didn't want to dip into his feelings at all. So this whole idea of can we take away some of the bubbles in the bottle so there's less pressure coming from the bottle rather than you just trying to get a bigger cork is where we try to explore with him. And that's the thing that he was very, very resistant to whenever it came to talk about his feelings and his emotions and what's really going on with him. He was more about, let me just try harder not to explode. And that obviously is not a useful gambit. And I think that's also what happened in how he dealt with the advice. He just deferred back to like, I'll strain harder and that will make a difference when, when it won't. My thinking about Becca is as follows. We have three opportunities to get through to people. We have the session in which we try to get through to them. We have the homework, which we think about carefully as a way for them to get those messages that we have try to convey in the session and to implement them and to internalize them and think about them. But then we also have the idea that they will be listening to the session 
afterwards. First, they will hear a lot of things that they didn't quite hear when they were in the session. They will also hear us talking about things before and after the session. And we often leave messages for them. We often say, and if you're listening, consider this. So we get three rounds in which we can try and have an impact. And I do keep that in mind. And my hope with Becca was that we did enough in the session and in the homework and in our discussion that she will be able to hear things after the session as well. Yeah, I'd be very curious to hear how Becca reacts when she's listening to the session and we ask Jake, are you willing to do something about this? Or does it matter enough to do something about this? And then also listening to that part where he had trouble with imagining that letter from the kids years later when they're adults, if this yelling continues. And he was like, it's not realistic. I couldn't really get into that. So he had all kinds of reasons. But I wonder if that will get past Becca's defenses as she listens to that. So it's not a conversation that she's actively engaged in. It's one that she's sitting back now and hearing. And sometimes when you hear it right there, you hear that interaction being played for you, it has a different impact than when it's happening in the moment. The one thing I would have done differently in that session with Becca is I would have helped her define what her line in the sand is. What are the parameters that if Jake really exceeds them, if he does X or doesn't do Y, she will conclude that she actually has to leave for the sake of the children. I think that she hasn't defined to herself what those limits are. And that's something that's making it difficult for her and for Jake, because he should know them as well. The thing is, we talk a lot about boundaries on our episodes. And one of the things we always say about boundaries is that a boundary isn't just something you set with someone else. It's something you set with yourself. And I don't think that she has set a boundary with herself, that if this doesn't change, my boundary is this for the sake of protecting my kids. Exactly. One of the things that happens with boundaries is it's not just setting the boundary, it's maintaining the boundary. And so I think that Jake has gotten used to Becca setting boundaries or attempting to set boundaries, but then he knows that she's not going to follow through. So he has no real motivation to respect the boundary because his motivation should be for the, for the benefit of my children. But because he's in such denial about the long-term impact of this on his kids, the big thing that I think is right in front of him is he really doesn't want to lose Becca. And I think he knows he's not going to lose Becca because Becca has shown him time and time again, I will set this boundary and then you will break the boundary and I will do nothing about it except complain about it, but then it'll blow over. You're listening to Dear Therapists. We'll be back after a short break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff 
and BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapists. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. I'm curious about that moment, actually, that you brought up, Lori, about when he's asked to sort of imagine his kids numbing themselves with certain things like drugs or alcohol. I'm going to play that clip for us just so we, we have it. So just to set this clip up, also, this is at the end of the session. Can I ask you, Jake? If we flashed forward several decades, Isabella and Dean are really struggling in their lives. They're struggling with how they feel about themselves. They're struggling in their friendships, in their romantic relationships. They may be numbing themselves with certain things like drugs or alcohol. Maybe they are able to tell you you hurt us constantly when we were growing up. How would you feel about your life choices several decades on if that were the case? Horrible. Listening to that, I guess I'm sort of wondering what we're hoping would happen from saying that, from posing that scenario to him. Because it's a specific kind of like really evocative image. I felt myself feeling in Jake's shoes thinking, oh man, like I would just feel so devastated, so ashamed. And he says, horrible. I do think that was a powerful moment because we finally got something from him where you could kind of hear it in his voice. Also, you have to remember, we can see the people. And so you're just hearing it, but we saw him. So there was something that happened in his face that was different. And that was why we decided with the homework to really bring that into the present for him and have that letter be written. Here we are as adults, dad, and here's what it was like growing up with the constant yelling in the air all the time and the unpredictability and the explosiveness. We thought that if we brought that into the present for him, like here are your kids coming to you now as adults telling you this is what the effect of this behavior has been on us and our lives. We felt like we had like opened a little crack in a door there. But that wasn't the thing that worked for him in the homework. He went back into his compartmentalization. The interesting thing about the interventions is they might not do that intervention, but it might help them to do a different one that we also suggested that they do, or even one that they come up with on their own. We had suggested that they read some articles about the effect of chronic yelling on your kids. And they ended up finding something on the internet, a program of stop yelling at your kids for a week type of thing. And so it could be that that moment opened him up enough to go and try that. You just don't know exactly where it's going to land and how it's going to land. But I think that moment was very important to get to. 
I think that moment was very important to get to as well. There was an opening there, but it quickly closed up again. In ongoing therapy, you could keep pushing on that moment and on that opening until it remained open. But we didn't have him for ongoing therapy. We only had him for the one session. I was actually a little dismayed that he decided to go with the YouTube challenge or whatever that was, five days without screaming at your kid, because it's more of the cork. It's more of the like, if I can hold it in for five days, it doesn't mean anything if you can hold it in for five days, unless you understand what's going on with you and you can find ways to manage that behavior. It's like you can go on a crash diet for five days. It doesn't mean you can maintain it. And so for me, it was a little more of the same of him looking for an easier solution in which he just has to strain harder rather than one that goes deeper for him, that he really has to look at his emotions and how those are impacting him. And I just want to go back to that earlier comment I made about, I wish that we had worked a little bit more with Becca, because I think that if we had given the assignment to both of them, meaning, and now your kids are coming to you, Becca, and saying, why didn't you protect us? This is the effect that this has had on our lives. And you kept us in this environment. And I think that that might have helped pierce her shield of denial a little bit more, too. It's always easy, I think, to focus on the person who's doing the thing that is problematic. And I think as therapists, the thing that we want to remember is that there's a system here. There's a whole family system going on. And we never really explored Becca's psychology. Clearly, she was very much wanting to be with him. And she was very afraid of not being with him. She really kept saying, I love him so much. I really love him. So we didn't explore enough. Let's understand what your reluctance is to protect your children because it might mean you will lose this kind of relationship with Jake. We didn't step back for a minute and say, we aren't getting where we want to get with him. And also she's in this family system and what's going on there. And can we push her as hard as we're pushing him because she's more malleable? I love that idea of giving her the commensurate exercise, because I think that would have been actually quite powerful for her to do. One of the things that we often do with couples that we didn't do here and might have gotten some traction with is that when we have a member of the couple that's not hearing something, we say it to the other person. So we say to Becca, so what is it like for you when you hear how resistant Jake is to the idea of his yelling causing such damage to the kids and you hear him responding in a very kind of closed and monosyllabic way to these ideas, what does that do for you when you hear that level of resistance when you're so worried about the damage he's doing? You cross to the other person and you're saying things about Jake, but to Becca, because that allows him to hear it more. Because when it's being said to him, he can get defensive and sometimes he might hear that better when it's being said about him to Becca. Yeah, one one thought I had, and I don't know what you guys will make of this, but Jake almost became his daughter in the session. And he even laughed, which Lori pointed out in this really beautiful moment that he's even laughing like her because he lacks the ability to understand why he's doing what he's doing. And that's his response to that. What I was saying about the laughter was that when Isabella became uncomfortable, she would laugh and that would enrage him. But what was happening was she was having a lot of feelings. I was saying that when he yells at her and she laughs, it's not because she thinks it's funny. It's because she's profoundly uncomfortable. And that's a reaction to that. And so then when we were saying things that were profoundly uncomfortable to Jake, he would laugh as well. 
when people get uncomfortable, they have these reactions that might appear to be one thing, but they're actually extreme discomfort. And in fact, Isabella, because probably she had Becca there who was trying to emphasize feelings, would talk about her feelings with Becca. So it's almost like she had more of a language for her feelings than Jake did. And yet Becca was spending so much time trying to problem solve on the side of, let me make up for the deficiencies on the feelings part and and help Isabella develop that vocabulary. But she wasn't willing to really go there with Jake. And that is my biggest regret of this session is that we didn't go there with Becca to really explore why are you not going there with Jake? Why are you not setting boundaries? As Guy said, what is your line in the sand? What is keeping you from facing what is not happening in this marriage? Because as you said, Ben, at the beginning, this is also a marital issue. It's not just an issue about what's happening with the children. It's what's happening with this couple. And we didn't get enough into the couple. One regret I have is that I actually was more hopeful about Jake being able to do the homework than he was able to actually do. And had I known that, that he would really struggle with the homework, especially with the emotive parts of it that are so important, there are options in couples therapy to come with more force, as it were. And in this case, it might have been to say to Becca, what if Jake can't change? Paint me a picture of what your life looks like as a single parent with these two kids and how you'll manage and how you'll deal with Jake. You paint a picture of what a separation might look like, and that can be a way to really bring home to Jake and to her, these are the stakes, this is what we're talking about. Let's actually go and imagine that, because I think Becca avoids imagining that it's too upsetting, and that's why she keeps folding and not maintaining the boundary and forgiving him. One thing I'm thinking about is that a couple of the interventions, they sound like they're sort of negative consequences for Jake. Jake, do you see how badly things could turn out. And I wonder also, you know, what would it also look like to incentivize Jake? We didn't really find out. I'd be curious to hear what kind of relationship would Jake think would be ideal with his daughter, with Becca, and vice versa with Becca as well. I wonder if Jake could, could, could go in that direction. I think incentivizing people is really important. And I do think that we were so focused on the negative consequences that he might have felt shame he might have felt like, I can't even think about this because it's too painful. He might have felt like we were being hard on him or, you know, we were sort of the parents who were saying, here's your consequence for this behavior. I'm trying to imagine what would have happened. I think that he would have said, well, we're moving with the job and we're going to be closer to family and it'll be better because we won't have as much pressure. And I think that he would have just externalized the whole thing as he was doing and not said, and I have an issue here with how do I access my emotions? How do I manage them? How do I ask for things that I want and need? How do I work through some of this grief and loss? How do I embrace this family that I do love and that I do want to be a part of? How do I deal with a part of me that still wants to be the child and the part of me that also wants to grow up and be an adult? And when they're in conflict, what do I do and how do I hide out? All those things were going on for him. And so, yes, incentivizing certainly might have been helpful. It's cool to hear you reflect also on like what his state of mind was 
and what he might have been experiencing during that. I think as a listener, I, I often found myself blaming him in certain ways. And so it's, it's helpful to also remember to sort of still have empathy and, and kind of be able to imagine what's going on for for him. Yeah. And I should say too, this thing about kids and maybe countertransference, which for our listeners who don't know, countertransference is the feelings that come up in us when the person that we're talking to in therapy says something that we have a reaction to that is from our own history, from our own past. And I think that it's one thing when therapy clients come in and they tell us about something that happened in their own childhoods that their own parents did that we find upsetting because we feel like I'm here to help you now as an adult. And so they're safe with us in that room. But these children were out in the world. So when you hear that the person sitting across from you is hurting children who are there out in the world and it's happening right now, I think that as therapists, we often will have a reaction to that that is different from hearing about something that happened to our clients in the past. When you have a session like this where maybe it didn't go exactly where you wanted it to go, or you felt some frustration, what do you do with that disappointment as a therapist after it's over? Do you find yourself blaming yourself, blaming the client? What kind of stuff comes up for you and how do you deal with it? Well, I think like any experience of something professionally that doesn't go well or well enough for you, then there's due diligence to be done because there's information there and there's learning to be had there. So. As we're sitting here reflecting on the session, we can identify things that we might have done differently or directions that we might have explored. In our practices, if something goes poorly, we really have to look at two things. A, what happened there that it went poorly and what happened within us that we weren't able to bring our usual skill set to bear. Was something touched that was personal? And that's the counter-transference that Laurie was referring to. Did something get triggered in us that interfered with our thinking or our ability to have a more objective position? Or can we identify different directions that we would have taken? And then can we earmark those as things to keep in mind? And in fact, what we're doing right now is what we do as therapists. Most of us have weekly meetings with other therapists where we go over the cases from the week. These were therapy clients. I would go to my consultation group and I would say, here's what happened in this session. And we would talk about it the way we're talking about it right now. And then I would go back the next week and I would say, hey, Becca. <laughs> and we would start there. So we have that opportunity in a way that we don't hear. But I also think what Guy said is so true that we have these three opportunities, even with this one session to reach people. And then also, since we do these follow-ups a year later, from our guests from the season before, I'll be curious to hear where this couple is a year from now. This is one that I'm really looking forward to hearing what has happened in that year. Okay, great. Thank you both so much for just being so honest and so reflective. It's both fun as a listener and really helpful as a therapist in training. You're very welcome. Well, thank you, Ben, for asking all these questions and helping us to reflect on that session with Becca and Jake. If you're enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free so that you don't miss any episodes. And please help support Dear Therapists by telling your friends about it and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really help people to find the show. Do you want to be on season four of Dear Therapists? Email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Noel Brown. We're produced and edited by Josh Fisher. 
Additional editing support by Helena Rosen, John Washington, and Zachary Fisher. Our interns are Ben Bernstein, Emily Gutierrez, and Silva Lifton. And special thanks to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Kurek. We can't wait to see you at our next session. Dear Therapists is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now.